welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. Can I sing with you? Sure you can. Yes. Do you know any Alicia Keys? Yes, How I do. How about New York? Now we're in New York. These streets will make you feel brand new. These streets will inspire you. Oh, we're in New York. Welcome to New York in Times Square. Which president was on the one dollar bill? Oh! Oh, the one dollar is George Washington. George Washington. George Washington. Correct. Do you know which president this is on the one dollar bill? If you name it, you can keep it. That, that's silly. You can keep it. That's silly. No, it's not silly. Who is that man? It's George Washington. That's yours. Thank you. Who's that man right there? That would be Abraham Lincoln. Well done. I want you to keep this one too. And I want you to name that man right there. Benjamin Franklin. Well done. That was that was very good that you, you got that one. Very good. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. You guys? Oh my God. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I got to be careful doing that, but it's like, you know. <laughs> Ma'am, do you speak English? Where are you from? Japan. Japan. What brings you to New York? Airplane. Oh. Why are you visiting? If I gave you a bunch of money, would you be happy? Yes. Would you say that money can buy you happiness? No. But you'd be happy if I gave you more money. Can money buy you happiness? Nope. What if I were to give you like a million dollars? Would that make you happy? I don't think so because money does not necessarily buy happiness. This but I will tell you. Such a cliche answer. No, no, no. If somebody no, no. hand you a no, million dollars, no. you'd be happy. No, I would, I would not be. Do you think money is the root of all evil? I think money is a necessary evil. But I think if you focus too much on money, I mean, it's not good. I believe money is not the root of all evil. But the love of money is the root of all evil. Right? So it's all about the heart, right? Come on. Come on, baby. Come on, baby. What's up, baby? We're all in this together, all of us. We're dancers. We're dancers, baby. We dance. Here we are on Fifth Avenue. Would you say America is very materialistic? Look at this. This is the, the, the symbol of materialism. And I think I'm a good mom and yeah. I, I teach them not to be materialistic. So we are all trapped, you know? Yeah. Very nice vehicle, sir. Very nice. Very nice car. Wow. 
Love the classic video with Nick. That car won't make me happy, but I'd go faster if I had it. Yes, and get in trouble. Uh, glad we're part of this uh, series talking about money and looking at how we uh, are going to handle it and how God wants to speak to us about it. He had a lot in his Bible about money and handling money and what we should do with it and being good stewards. And uh, last week we talked about tithing, that it's actually a math term, and I'll get you caught up to speed. It means tenth. It means giving a tenth. And uh, I had a couple of people come up to me and say, I didn't know that. I thought tithe was when you gave to church any amount, 3%, 5%, 8%. And they said that was, uh, you know, eye-opening to me that a tithe is giving a tenth. And uh, as we talked about tithing last week, we realized that a tenth is, is a big amount. How many know a tenth is a big enough amount to get your attention? Like if it was 2%, if God said, give 2%, if you love me, give 2%, even people that didn't love them would just cover it with 2%. You know what I'm saying? Like 2%, all right, we'll do it. But 10%, you're like, if you're on mission with me and you're on mission with God, you're like, all right, 10%, that's big enough to really catch your attention and for you to understand like, okay, my heart better be in this. We talked last week about a heart touched by God wants to tithe and that Abraham in Genesis, even before there was any law or anything like that, he had his heart touched by God and he gave a tenth, he gave a tithe. We also talked about the tithe belongs to God and we're returning it. I'm just getting you caught up to speed. Leviticus 27 verse 30 says, A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain or from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It's holy to the Lord. It belongs to Him. And there are many other scriptures that talk about, like, we're going to get it the, the place of honor and give it to God. We're going to come under His authority. We're going to live for Him and not for money. And then there was a big thing that I talked about, uh, the spirit of mammon versus God's hand and God's spirit. And when you tithe, what happens is you take the spirit of mammon off of the money and you tithe and all of a sudden you have the spirit of God all over your money. And we talked about how mammon just gets all over it. And there's just that struggle with money and that money's really neutral. But when we give it, all of a sudden God's hand is on it and we live under what we'd say an open heaven. We live under an open heaven with God's hands all over it. Now, I would never share this person's identity, but I received a letter this week, and uh, the letter had multiple checks in it, okay? And the first one said, this first uh, uh, check is our tithe. We are tithing, and we are being obedient to what was taught. It said, this second check is to break the spirit of mammon that's kind of been rearing its ugly head in our, you know, in our home. So we're going to write a second check and give more money. And then it said, the third check, that's kingdom builders. We want to give to kingdom builders over and above. And the fourth one is like, we want to do another project around our campus. And the fifth one was like, keep making great videos like Nick. All right. You know, it was like multiple checks. And I loved it because they were saying in there, they caught, hey, I want to break the spirit of mammon. And so I'm going to write this check and I'm going to do that. And really, tithing breaks that spirit of mammon. Now, tithing is the first step. It's not the final step. And we're going to look at what else does the Bible have to say about this? What does it say about after the tithe and, and getting to the point where, you know, again, if the church, if everyone in the church tithed, the church would be in such a position of financial strength. But it's not just that message. The Bible doesn't say just tithe, tithe, tithe. There's also practical help that is in the Bible. So today we're going to look at practical help that's in the Bible, practical things and ways that we should live. And I want to let you know that last year I did a very practical 
sermon. I did uh, uh, something similar to this, but different points, different things. And if you want to watch last year's sermon, you can just text the word money, we made it easy, to 9400. You can text money to 9400 and you can watch last year's. No, don't do it now during service or it'll start up on your phone and you'll be that person and next thing you know, you know, so don't do that. But if you want to see last year's sermon with the, the different things, and then also you probably heard in your announcements at your campus and you probably heard us talking about Financial Peace University. We want to help you. We want to give you practical tips even on how to buy life insurance and how to invest and what debt is good debt. We're going to go into all sorts of things. We're going to help you get rid of debt. The average family that goes and does financial peace gets rid of all sorts of debt. I mean, tens of thousands of debt and learns how to snowball and pay down the debt. So if you want to sign up for Financial Peace University, normally we do that for $100. It's going to be $50. And that's, we're just reselling the curriculum to you, all right? But we're under writing it, and you can text the words financial peace to 9400, and it could be one word or two, financial peace to 9400, and we want to help you. We want to be practical. I believe that God wants you to not be under money and, and buried down with the, the weight of debt and the weight of the things that this world says you have to have, but money can be a tool that you can do so much good with that you could live with peace in your life. If you could imagine your life living with peace, imagine your life with enough left over at the end of the month instead of having more month than money. If you could imagine your life where you're not fighting because you're spending too much and you're not keeping up with a budget, and you can imagine your life where there's peace that's resting in that area, where you have enough where the Bible says that you would leave some for your children as an inheritance. Man, I envision that future and I envision that for you and for everyone in our church. So I want to talk to you today about some do's and don'ts, and I want you to know I live this, I practice this, I'm going to teach it, I'm growing in it, and I'm going to give you some do's and some don'ts, and I'm going to start with some don'ts, all right? So I'll give you the first one, it's a biggie. Don't get into destructive debt. Don't get into destructive debt, and I didn't expect an amen there, all right, but don't get into destructive debt. Proverbs 22.7 says this, the rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. Now, it doesn't say that borrowing money and taking a loan is a sin, but it says that there's a power that happens. There's a power that happens. So it doesn't say that it's sin. Matter of fact, it can't be sin because God gives instruction on how to loan money and how to not charge high interest rates, but to be fair with people. So it can't be a sin or he wouldn't have given people examples on how to do it. But he says there's a power that happens when you get under debt and the person that has loaned you the money now has power and has an authority place in your life. Now, there is destructive debt and there's some debt that is good. And if you look at this and you look at most financial books on this and you look even at principles in the Word of God, you'll see that when people buy homes or things that appreciate in value or have collateral that that's considered to be a good debt or an okay debt. Let's say it that way. That if I buy a home and it has a value and I put money down on it and the bank says, we're loaning you this money and if something goes wrong, we'll take the home back. That's considered to be an okay debt. But there's all sorts of destructive debt that is there on things that don't appreciate in value, that depreciate. And you have these things and you just look at the way we go into debt and it's like, Going into debt is so normal. Have you noticed that? It's like, I'm in debt for my house. I'm in debt for my car. I'm in debt for my school. I'm in debt to my credit card. 
I'm in debt to this. I mean, we just, I'm going to go on vacation, put it on the card. I'm going into debt. And it's just so normal. But I want to let you know that when the Bible talks about debt, it's usually seen as a, as a last resort. It's usually seen with a like, ah, don't do that. Be really careful. Be really cautious. Don't get in debt because debt has this power over you. Whoever loans you the money has power over you. And the Bible's like, you don't want to do that. Romans talks about like, don't be in debt to anybody. Just, just have the debt of love that you're supposed to give everybody love. Try not to be in debt. Nehemiah chapter five, I won't read it, but it's like a woe that is on the people that are in destructive debt. And they're like, it's famine. It's bad. We've had to sell our land. We've had to sell our houses. We had to sell our kids. They're, they're subject to the king. Like, it's bad. And that's the attitude, really, that the Bible's like, be very cautious about debt. Don't go into And yet we are so far in debt. I mean, the, the stats are just so sad. Consumer debt right now is $4.17 trillion in the United States. Education debt, $1.635 trillion. And no, I don't believe it should all be forgiven. That's bad. That will create bad habits in you. We have to work on a better way to make college and university more affordable. I mean, credit card debt is over a trillion dollars. Americans, over a trillion dollars in debt, credit cards. And how many know that kids even just learn quick? I mean, you're like, hey, I don't have any money. We can't buy that. They're like, oh yeah, you got that plastic thing. How many know they find that plastic thing? You just pull that plastic thing out. You got money, we know, all right? It's terrible. We spend without having the money and we spend without even praying about if we should get into debt or not. And we just do this over and over and we do all this spending and then we blame God when we're in trouble. So we need to start with tithing, but tithing is just the training wheels. Tithing is where we start. But now these biblical principles right here are saying, guess what? I'm going to start with tithing and I'm going to do these biblical principles and I'm not going to get into destructive debt. That's how I'm going to follow Jesus. That's how I'm going to be somebody that lives able to do whatever he tells me to do. But we keep getting into debt and we have to keep up with the Joneses. You've heard about that, where you want to compare to them and keep up with them and buy whatever they have. And Psychology Today talked about this. It says, our appetite for wealth and material goods isn't driven by hardship. Like Nehemiah, like we're, we're in trouble. It's not driven by hardship. It's driven by our inner discontent. We're convinced that we can buy our way to happiness. No, you can't. Not even if you had that car. Not if you had that house. Not if you had that amount of money. You cannot buy your way into happiness. Now, having some money can get you out of poverty and alleviate suffering, but it doesn't buy your way into happiness. And we buy things, and, and we get a rush from buying things. They, they just a, a, another study that was done about the recent iPhone sale all right, and they did neuroimaging on some of the people that stood in line to buy the latest iPhone. There were 600 people that were standing in New York waiting to buy the iPhone the night before, waiting to buy, and they did a neuroimaging test on their brain, and when they got the brand new iPhone, something happened to them, and it activated a part of their brain like they were just feeling so good about buying that new iPhone. It activated the same part of their brain almost as if they were having a religious experience. You can't serve God and mammon, activating the same part of the brain. And it's happening there. And so we're, we have so much. And because we're not trying to buy our basic needs, 
okay? We're starting to buy things that give us status or have social connection. And if you own an iPhone, and it's not the only phone that is out there, but if you own an iPhone, how many know that it, it, it lights up with the blue if you're texting somebody else who's cool like you because they have blue? And then you see the green and you're like, they don't have an iPhone? Oh, oh. And those of you that don't have an iPhone are like, I never knew you thought that. All right, so... But there's this connection, like, oh, you have one too. And we do that with clothes, and we do that with watches, and we do that with cars, and we do that with shoes. And we have a social connection. That's what we're using our money for, and we're going into debt to have social connection. Hey, don't do that. Don't go in debt. Join a life group. It's way cheaper. All right, don't do that. So as you go to buy things, you need to ask yourself tough questions, like, is this really worth it? Worth it? Is, ask yourself this, is not having enough cash God's way of saying to me, I don't need it. Ask a wise mentor, like, should I really make this purchase or not? Because see, there's a debt mentality that just creeps in and says, I can do this, it's no problem. And you start saying, I need more than God has provided for me. And this debt mentality starts saying, God doesn't know what's best for me. It starts saying, God has failed to provide for me. And then it says, our circumstances won't change. So I will take a loan. I will get more. I'll do whatever I have to do to have that. Some people have, even have a fleece mentality. They say, well, I'll just put a fleece out there. You know what a fleece is? A fleece is a test. And they're saying like, well, if I just fill out the application and I get qualified, that's the Lord's will. <laughs> you fill all, all that out. They're like, are you breathing? All right, you qualify. All right, there it is. All right. We'll take your money. I mean, seriously, do you know, do you know that it's been 23 years since Becca and I have paid a dollar of credit card interest? 23 years. We have not paid one dollar of credit card interest. And it feels so good to not be under those people and not be paying that huge percentage. That's personal. We said, we're not going to pay that. Man, even now as we have our cars and we have one car that we didn't pay all the way for, but I had the money in the bank that if I needed to, I could pay the car off. But they gave me 1.9% on the car and my money was earning 4%. So I said, I'll leave it there. I'll pocket the difference and, and we'll finance this thing. All right, but I could have paid cash for it. Okay, I'm living in this way. I'm asking you to not have a debt mentality that says God hasn't provided enough. You got to ask more questions like, what if this debt puts a spirit of mammon back on me? What if this debt that I go into causes me to not give to kingdom builders or to missionaries or to causes that want to reach the world? What if this debt causes me to miss out on a global team? What if this debt causes me to fight more with my spouse? It's not worth it. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Now, I understand sometimes life throws us curveballs. I understand that. You may lose your job. I understand you may use up your emergency fund. I know that you may have an abandonment issue. Your spouse might have left you and you find yourself in a tough place. And I understand in those situations and it feels closer in those situations like Nehemiah, but it was never the place to stay. It might be a place where you have to go, but we're standing with you and with financial peace and saying, get out of that spot, get back on your feet. Matter of fact, I just want to speak that again to anyone that's in that position. You find yourself not wondering, what do I do with all this money? You're saying, I'm in a tough spot. I'm praying right now for breakthrough in Jesus' name. I'm praying for people that have been abandoned, that you are not abandoned, that the church will come around you. I'm praying that people will pay your way even. They'll say, like, if you want in on financial peace, I'll pay your way. That's what I'm praying for, for a spirit of generosity to help each other out, that we'll lift each other up, that your family, your friends, the church will come in there and stand with you in that time when life throws you a curveball. 
But for so many of us that doesn't throw us the curveball, we're just there and it becomes addictive and we get into it. And I'm just telling you, stay away from destructive debt. I feel like debt and mammon are not the same thing, but they're probably cousins. How many know what I'm talking about? They're probably cousins. It's just like they're close to each other. Don't do that. All right, I'm going to have to go fast. Second thing, we're tithing. We're avoiding debt. Don't be lazy. Don't be lazy. The Bible talks a lot about don't be lazy. Have a great work ethic. It talks in Proverbs 6 about go to the ant and look at him. He's working all the time. They're working in the summer to save up for the winter. There's something about a good work ethic. Proverbs 20 verse 4 says, sluggards do not plow in season. So at harvest time, they look but find nothing. Colossians 3.23 says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not human masters. Be the best employee. Be the best worker. Work hard. Get there early. Stay late. Do what you need to do. Show a good return. Show a good investment. Be the one. Again, it's not like you can just tithe and then be lazy. You tithe and work hard and you do these things. Another thing, don't do it alone. Get help. If you're in trouble right now, go to financial peace. I know I keep saying that, but I've seen too many people turn their life around and be under a pile of debt and all of a sudden become some of the most generous givers, giant smiles on their face, going on vacation, doing these things because they're telling their money where to go rather than living under that weight and that pressure that's there. But get financial help and, and have advisors. The Bible talks about all, the, all over the place having advice and getting advice. And in this area, you can get financial advice. Proverbs eleven fourteen says, for lack of guidance, a nation fails or falls. But victory is won through many advisors. You get advisors, people that will tell you how to do that and, and mentor you and coach you and help you to turn things around. Our oldest son, Connor, he wanted to get into property investment. So he went to somebody that owned 20 some homes and said, will you mentor me? Can I get advice from you on how to do that? He has two homes now. He's trying to figure out, he's like, hey, I wanna keep doing this. I wanna grow in this. I wanna have advice. He didn't think of it on his own. He asked for advice. So don't do it alone. Don't fall for get rich quick schemes. And there's some spouse that just so wanted to say amen right there, but instead elbowed them, right? You know, like, don't do that. Proverbs 28, 19, giving us warning. Those who work their land will have an abundant food, but those who chase fantasies will have their fill of poverty. There's, I promise you this, I promise you that, I promise you, and you're chasing these get-rich-quick schemes. Don't do that. All right, another, see how quick I'm going now? I recognize, I got to fly through these. All right, don't forget the poor. Don't forget the poor. That's a clear thing if we're going to tithe, but don't forget the poor. I mean, don't forget kingdom builders. Don't forget our missionaries. Don't forget benevolence. Psalm 41.1 is just one of many scriptures that talks about taking care of the poor and saying, don't forget them. It says, blessed are those who have regard for the weak or poor. The Lord delivers them in times of trouble. When I'm in trouble, I want God to remember that I was taking care of the poor and I was blessing the poor. And I didn't just think about me. I thought about them as well. Here's another one that I just felt strong to put in here. Don't allow money to decide every decision. What do I mean by that? I hear people say, well, I want to go on a global team, but I don't have the money. Man, if God spoke to you and said, go on a global team, step out in faith and see what God does for you. I understand that we want you to have the budget and do these other things, but I, I just believe that there's a, a time where God speaks to you and says, step out in this area. And it's not to go into credit card debt. And you're saying, I want to sign up for this. If I don't have the money, I won't go, but I want to see if God can provide for me. And I've seen people just have provisions and things happen where they unexpected and God just comes through. So don't just allow money to decide everything. If God speaks to you, don't let it decide that final decision, the money, let God do it. All right, here's one, and I'm going to transition from the don't to the do. 
Don't hoard, do save. Don't hoard, do save. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this. He said, hoarding is idolatry, all right? So saving is good. Saving is in the Bible. It tells us in Proverbs 21, 20, the wise store up choice food and olive oil, but fools gulp theirs down. There's something about saving some, but there's a difference between saving and hoarding. And I want to clarify, savings is a means of not presuming upon God. You're saying, God, I'm going to have an emergency fund. I'm going to have a few months in reserve. I'm saving. Hoarding says, I'm going to replace you, God. I'm going to earn so much. I'm going to keep so much. I'm going to save so much. I'm going to just sock it away so that I don't ever have to pray. I don't have to have worry. I'm going to put myself and insulate myself against all the other things. And now I'm in a position where I'm untouchable. There's another thing, if you want to know about saving, if you're saving, when God prompts you, you'll give. If you're hoarding, when God prompts you, you keep it. You're like, well, I'm not hoarding. Well, let's look at your giving. You're sitting on all this, and you give this little tiny, that's, it's like you're hoarding. We're to be channels of blessings, not bank vaults. I mean, I, I, I thought about this, like, have you, when you're hoarding, when you have so much and the world is saying, will you help, will you help, will you help? And when you're sitting there and you're, it's like, it's like a person that has hot French fries in front of them and you don't. And there's a giant thing of French fries and you're just thinking like, ah, oh, just take a few if you'd offer them and they don't offer. And you're just like, wow, it would have been good to just have a few fries, but you have so many, but it's just right. They are your fries and you did buy them. But you don't want to say it, but you're thinking it. How many are with me, right? And then after they're like full and burping and there's still like half of them left, but now they're cold. They're like, hey, did you want some? That's a hoarder. All right, run, run. That's a hoarder. All right. A saver is like, all right, you can have some. All right. Yeah, all right, anyways, I got a French fry issue. All right. We cross the line into hoarding when we stop trusting God and we fail to give when prompted. It's not an amount, it's an attitude. And I've talked to financial planners in our church that give great advice. And they said they talk to people that are sitting on millions of dollars. And they're like, do you want to give a little? No, no. They're like, you can afford it. No, I can't. They're like, no, really, you could. I, I, I don't know how long I'm going to live. Well, you're 80 and you've got millions. <laughs> if we just live on the interest, you're going to make it to 140. You know, I mean, seriously, they're like, no. There's something about fear. The hoarding spirit just gets on them and they can't do it. You listen to the prompt. You say this. You say, God, I'll do this. Don't hoard, do save. You're going to save. And Paul DeYoung in his book, God, Money, and Me, that I referenced last week, he gives this example, and he talks about this. Now, he's in New Zealand, and in New Zealand, they have um, a 15% value-added tax on every item. So any item you buy has a 15% value-added tax. So everybody pays it, all right? And then on top of that, the highest tax bracket for them, anything over $70,000 a year is 33%. You just pay 33% of anything over $70,000, and you're paying 15% on everything. Now, he said, even in that world, he said, this is the principle he's taught his church. Tithe 10, save 10, give 10 more, sow it, bless God, go over and above, and then live on the 70. And so I started looking at that, and I asked Becca, I said, how have we lived? She said, when we're younger... We tithed 10, and then we saved five. We couldn't quite get there, okay? And then she said, and then we gave God five more, okay? And then we lived on 80. But she said, right now, as we were looking at the money just the other day, she said, now we're tithing 10, we're saving 10, we're giving 15% more, 
and we're living on the 65. Our, our circumstances have changed. We're, we're empty nesters, praise God. And, uh, you know, so, yeah. Remember I said Connor owns two homes? I'm like, yeah, and Logan and Mac, they just got their home. All right, so our situation has changed. But we're saying how much more can we give? And so you save, you make sure that you save. And so do save, it's a good thing to do that. And do so, which I talked about, that extra. After you've tithed and you've saved and you're sowing, you're sowing and you're saying, God, I wanna sow something and I wanna give over and above. I wanna help change this world. I wanna do things and I wanna, I, I wanna, I can't outgive you, so I'm gonna keep giving more and I'm gonna do that. And as I give more to God, I notice that he keeps responding and doing things that are unexpected and he blesses us in ways because remember, I'm tithing and I'm living with an open heaven on my life. I'm applying biblical principles and I'm living there and now I'm sowing and I'm giving more and when I sow, I expect a blessing on it and that's not wrong. Please don't let TV preachers steal that from us, all right? You can sow and reap. There's not a farmer out there that I'm like, what'd you do? Well, I planted seeds. You expected anything? Nope. Why'd you plant them? I like riding on my tractor. It's kind of fun. Just like it. Gets me out of the house. You know? So you just plant seed. Yep, just planting. No, no expectations. You know, that, that'd be crazy, right? So why would we expect that if we're going to sow into God's kingdom and sow into kingdom builders and go after $8 million for kingdom build, that we're going to sow and we're going to go above and beyond the tithe, that we would not expect that God, we're sowing and that we're going to reap. And I don't know exactly how I'm going to reap. And I want to reap in ways more than financial. I want to reap with blessing and peace and godliness and different things on my life. But I'm sowing into the kingdom of God and I'm expecting a return. Jesus said this in Matthew 6.20, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. What do you say? Store up for who? Yourselves. He said store up for, like there's something in that. Like you get to store up for yourself treasures in heaven. And I'm like, I am sending it ahead. I can't take it with me when I die, but I can send it ahead and I am storing up for myself treasure in heaven. A couple quick things and I will fly through these. Do have a budget? Sign up for financial peace if you don't have one. Have a budget. Tell your money where to go. Do have a will. Seven of 10 Americans don't have a will. And if you don't have a will, you know what happens? The court comes in and they get to decide where your money goes. And I don't want that to happen. Do you know that in my will, it even says that when I die, I'm doing another tithe check after I die, okay? Now, I'm not sure if I'm gonna get credit for that. When I tithe, if I'm in heaven, it's like, I get there and it's like, bing, it's here, you know? Like, I don't know. Because I heard one guy the other day, he said, like, you know, your life has been taken from you. And so it's, oh, I don't know. I don't know. But it's in my will. So, all right. But, man, seven of ten don't have a will. Please don't let the courts decide. You've worked too hard. Let you decide. So do have a will. And then do good with the money that God has given you. 2 Corinthians 9.11, you will be blessed in every way. And you'll be able to keep on being generous. Then many people will thank God when we deliver your gifts. Start with the tithe. Go from there. Live these godly principles. Don't do the bad things. Do the good things. And be generous on every occasion. Let's change the world. We are so blessed. We are so blessed. And instead of being weighed down from debt, let's be living financial freedom. Let's be living financial peace. Let's be living in a way that says we are blessed to be a blessing and we'll be generous on every occasion. 
So God, I'm praying for that right now. I'm praying for that right now. And I pray, I recircle back for anyone that is struggling under the weight of debt, under the weight of abandonment, under the weight of an unseen circumstance, medical bills, I don't know where they're at, but I pray the church would be the church. We'd stand next to them, their friends would gather around them, their family would gather around them. And I pray that as they live these godly principles, they'd be a tither living under an open heaven under the blessings of God, they live these principles and they'd move forward. And for all of us that have so much and wonder why we've been blessed so much, God, help us to live in a way to, that says we will be blessed to be a blessing. Help us to be generous on every occasion. Help us to not be under debt, but to tell that money where to go and to use it for good, for your glory and for your honor. We pray this and we believe this. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, amen.